Good morning. Ah, it's so good to see you at church. Will you stand with me? God, we give you this time. Use it. Make us what you want us to be. We pray this in your name. Amen.
good to see you today. Turn around, look around. Aren't you glad that you're here today worshiping with these people? Now, some of you may be visiting, and that's okay. Just look around. You're going to see a bunch of crazy, but that's okay, because we like crazy. (laughs) Nobody's perfect here. We're just trying to connect with God and connect with each other. And so, um, amen? So let's sing this next song. I love this song. It just talks about how God turns... Makes beauty from ashes, turns graves into gardens. God is able to do whatever God chooses to bring glory to his name. That didn't sound right. Hold on. Technology. Oh my goodness. I'm going to press this button. I'm going to press that button and we're going to see what happens. Here we go.
you this last week. Let's try it again. I'm calling on the God of Jacob, whose love endures through generations. I know with you all things are
your children now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You answered prayers back then. God, don't we? Who's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine. He's proved it time and time again. We serve a God that frees us, liberates us. Sing this with me. You freed the captives then. You're freeing hearts right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You touch the lepers. Then. I feel your touch right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. Uh, go ahead and be seated. Let's take a moment and just just rest in God's presence. That's a lesson that uh, 
lot of people, including God, have tried to teach me over the years, just resting in His presence. Sometimes we just get caught up in go, 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 make it work. Like, come on, God, make this work. Come on, God, come through this time. When the lesson He's been teaching me lately is just just rest in me. I take care of everything. Um, today, on the, the anniversary of the tragedy we witnessed 21 years ago, there's still people who are, who are hurting. Our whole world is completely different since then, right? I think we've got to rest in God. And so let's take time now to just let Him fill us with His presence where we can just say, God, You are in control. Evil is not in control. I think part of my problem is, is God, are you going to win? I ask myself, God, when, when are you going to take care of this? When are you going to win? And uh, in Scripture, this week, uh, I, I, I like to listen to it while I'm driving. And I heard something. I had to rewind it a couple times. And I realized that God has already won. The victory is His. There's one issue. I, with my tiny little brain, can't quite see it. But I've got to trust that he has the victory, that he is one. As things aren't under control like I want them under control, he's one. I'm pretty sure I'm going to pass away someday. He's still one. Pretty sure I'm going to get hurt. My kids are going to hurt. Somebody else is going to hurt. Things are going to go wrong from my perspective. But God has already won. He defeated death. And that's the message, not only that I need to share, but that I've got to comprehend. He has already claimed victory. So as we remember tragedy, as we pray for those who are experiencing that, who are struggling, who for the rest of their lives will be affected, maybe that's some of us as well, let's bask in his presence and say, God, I know you have won. God, the victory is yours. Let me rest in you. Let's pray together. Father, I want to start by praising you. If you are all that I've been taught that you are, if you're all that I have read in Scripture, if you are all that I felt you say to me personally, then Lord, I know I can just rest in you. Lord, I'm sorry for not resting well, for not trusting you well. But we lay our lives down at your feet today. Say, Lord, we are yours. We are helpless without you. You rearrange it all in all the ways that you want, in ways that we can't fathom. No matter how hard we try, you do things with a snap of fingers and it's done. Father, let me just rest in the presence of you who can just do all things and who is all things. Nothing has been done without you. So, Father, I pray that you comfort those who are hurting still for the past couple decades and will always will with the loss, the pain, the uncertainty. And, Lord, help us to be bearers of that great news that we might be the one that Scripture calls those with beautiful feet as we tell them the great news about you and that, Lord, those lives might be transformed into other disciple-makers. 
we want to see this place change, Lord. We know you want this place changed. We long for a day when your kingdom is evident in every single area. And so we praise you, Father, knowing that you have the victory and that we can follow you through all things, no matter how difficult they may seem. You are victorious. We praise you, Father, as you march onward. In your name, amen. I believe very much in the power of community and what happens when we are together outside of this room. And so as we move into a time where I'm going to tell you some stuff about the life of the church, this continues to be an act of worship for us because God wants us to know each other and encourage each other. And so these people that maybe you've not met before, maybe some of these um, opportunities are ways not only for you to serve, but also for you to connect with other people, which is super important, y'all. It's really important that you know each other. And so the first thing that I want to tell you about is actually an opportunity for our teens. Um, We've got several teens who are planning to go to a big conference next summer. And this conference is called NYC. It's not New York City. It's Nazarene Youth Conference. And we're lucky enough that it is in our home state. I say we're lucky enough because that means our cost is about $500 less than a lot of other places because we just have to drive to Tampa. We don't have to fly here. Um, But it's still over $1,200 for a student to go. And I will say totally worth the money. Um, But we need your help in getting them there. We have three or four who are planning to go. And so we have um, a store where you can buy T-shirts. So if you get your phone out, you can actually, like, take a picture of that QR code, and it'll take you straight to our store where you can get T-shirts. There's actually some um, P.O. NAS themed t-shirts but then there are some really funny ones on there too and some um the big seller right now is a mildred bangs wine coop quote and um she's a theologian in the church of the nazarene well she's long past but it says love is the gospel message and man that one is selling like hotcakes so if you want to support our teens Buy a t-shirt or two and support them. We'll have other fundraisers throughout the year. But this is something that you, like, get something wearable for um, the rest of your life. How's that? If you're like us and you hold on to t-shirts forever, um, then I I highly recommend them. They're super cute. Um, And then also, one way that we need to hear from you is through our Connect card and Look at us with the technology. Come on, y'all. QR codes, what a comeback. So um, you can click on that QR code and fill out our Connect card. Everybody can do that. And there are places that you can say, hey, I'd like to serve. There's opportunities for you um, by clicking on that. So do that, y'all. Every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. You have an opportunity to learn from one of the best teachers, one of the wisest people that I know, um, and someone who is a gift to this church, and that is Ken. Um, We have a class that meets... We have a class that meets every Sunday morning at 9, and let me tell you, 
you will leave with a wealth of understanding about the character of God by your time with Ken. Not just from what he teaches, but how he lives. It's really important for you to know who Ken is. Um, So come. Come be a part of that and build relationships with each other and learn more. Because let me tell you, I mean, Sunday morning, worship service is great and all, but it's not enough, y'all. It's not enough to understand who God is and what he's calling you to. And so this is another opportunity for you. Okay, I got two more things. You, You with me? Two more things. All right. So Tim and Debbie Johnson. Tim is our online pastor. Debbie um, is our missions coordinator for our church. She just had surgery, and we're doing a meal train for them. We want to feed them. They do have some. Um, they do have some dietary restrictions, but I, I think that most of us can work along with that. Garen, how do we find out about the meal train? Is it on a, an email? Okay, so look for the information about the meal train because we need to to start feeding them so they don't waste away to nothing, okay? Um, And then finally, big breath. Last thing. In the coming weeks, you will hear more about this, but we are going to set up a time uh, for you to learn how to do some of the AV stuff that we do here at PioNAS. We have um, needs in the, the booth back here. We also need some help with our live stream. Um, currently, I believe Henley does our live stream almost every Sunday. Um, so she's 13, y'all. You can do this. You can do it. And you can sit right where you're sitting and do this. Um, so I encourage you to decide now that you will learn something new. Can you do that? Like, we're going to learn something new together. Um, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Trust me. Garen said, you can announce, this is how you do it. And you just scream his name, because that's what I do. Seriously, though, we need y'all's help. So, <laughs> so if you will be just a gift to us, um, that, would, that would be wonderful to have some help doing the words and things like that. All right. I'm done. I'm done with this part. Y'all stand up. Now it's your turn. It's your turn to connect with each other. You've been sitting for a little bit. Can I just tell you that you are a gift? You're a gift to this church. You're a gift to us, and we love you. We love you. If you've not heard that today, that you are loved, I want you to know that in this place you are loved and accepted just for who you are. And so knowing that, knowing that you have received this love from God and from, and from us, man, it makes it a lot easier to extend love and peace to each other, doesn't it? To just live in response to God's love. And so, y'all, may the peace of Christ be with you today. Thank you. Will you extend that peace to each other? And then kiddos, meet me in that back, um, at the back door.
Well, I'm not, I'm not actually going to cut this short. Feel free to keep mingling. But uh, a couple weeks ago, two or three weeks, I talked to you about uh, offering, but about our lives being offerings. And a couple of you shared. Uh, I was out last week. I was uh, filling the pulpit for another pastor who, who wasn't able to preach. And uh, I wonder if there's any good stories that have happened in the last couple weeks that you would share where God was able to use your life as an offering for somewhere else. Not like sacrificial offering, because you're still here with us, obviously. But, uh, sorry, dark humor in church. Anyway, any good stories from last week where God was able to use you in a way where you're just like, hey, I think that this is part of God's plan for spreading the good news. Anybody at all? All right, well, that's it. Oh, I guess so, Kimmy. All right, come on, Kimmy, here you go. Did you force her to do that, Dusty? He's always got to tug on me and tell me to speak up. So, for those of you that don't know me very well, I'm very shy. For those of you that do know me, you do know that. And so I don't really give my testimony very often, but this week I gave my testimony to someone, and um, it opened up a conversation about God, and um, it really helped this person who was struggling where they were at. Um, And it turned out we had been through a lot of the same things. So I was able to comfort her um, and just remind her that, you know, God loves us. And that's how he used me. That is is what God asks, that we just love, right? And love looks a lot of different ways. Um, I had an interesting opportunity a couple weeks ago. You know, I worked part-time out at the Speedway. And a guy, he, as we've talked over the last few months, he knows... uh, just kind of my interest in life. And so one day, uh, we were both on a break. He said, hey, come out in the van with me. I, n- I need you to help me do something. And he wouldn't tell me what it was. And we get out to turn three at the speedway. And he's like, hey, will you spread my parents' ashes and, and say a blessing over them? And I was like, oh, man, you really set me up for this one. Uh, but we did that. An opportunity to say a blessing. And to uh, not let our management know that we spread ashes out at turn three. But since that time, we have been able to just talk more. And talk more about, about faith and Jesus. And to find out that he was on that path at one point in life. And has strayed, but he's, he's interested again and knowing more. So those types of interactions are just a little seeds that are planted where God can use you. In just unusual ways, every situation is a situation that God can use. Just know that. Let's pray together as we just uh, thank God for how he's blessed us. And we just listen to him about how we may uh, offer what we have to him. Father, we praise you again. We can't stop praising you. And we can't stop thanking you for how you have just blessed us. You have, you have really, really given more than we could really expect. We thank you for your sacrifice, the one that said it all right. And Lord, I pray that you will speak to us and that we might learn just how to be more in communion with you and with each other, that the offerings of our life, uh, time-wise, talent-wise, money-wise, whatever it might be, that those things might be used for the, the best things possible, that the world might come to know you. We love you, Father. In your name, amen.
Presenting Real Christians of Genius. Real Christians of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Christianese speaking person. Mr. Christianese speaking person. When conventional wisdom said no one can understand what you're communicating, you dared to prove them wrong. Dared to prove them wrong. You knew your neighbor didn't know words like trinity, salvation, and eschatology, but you overused them anyway. You can't stop me now. When people told you what they believed, you had the guts to laugh in their face and wish them luck in everlasting retribution. You gotta be kidding. So stand proud, chosen one. Yea, though your words confuse the mass, thou knoweth what thy meaneth. Thou knoweth what thy meaneth. Wow, that's different than the ones we normally show, isn't it? No, Jason wasn't behind it. That was all me. That was all me. Thanks. 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 So we have been in the Lord's Prayer for a couple of months, and we've been talking through our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we got to, um, we're getting to... Your kingdom come and your will be done. And um, I got to be honest, I felt checked this week. I felt like maybe, maybe we're not ready for that next phrase. Maybe there's still a little work that we need to do in our lives for us to be able to fully say, God, I really do pray that your kingdom comes. I really do pray that your will is done perfectly here on earth the way that you have it orchestrated. And I don't want us to just say the words. So I want to take a little sidetrack this week, maybe next week too, and just kind of um, do a little bit of internal work for us. Um, Just asking that God will help us to Uh, Be more of who we're called to be and live an authentic life. So you with me? You okay if I divert a little bit? Awesome. So we're not going to be in Matthew chapter 6 this week. We're going to actually be in John chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to turn to John chapter 1. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. We'll have the words up here. If you have your journals that you're taking notes on for the Lord's Prayer, this stuff will still work. So you can still take notes if you need a journal or a pen, they're up here. It won't bother me at all if you come up here while I'm talking and get one. If you forgot yours at home and you're embarrassed, that's okay. Just come on up. Get a different one. We've got them. So so we're going to be in John chapter 1. And uh, this, is, this is the passage that uh, you remember. It starts with, in the beginning was the Word. Capital W, talking about Jesus. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And so... We're going to skip all the way down towards the end, and we're going to start in verse 35. This is the story of Jesus calling the disciples. You ready? Here we go. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples, John being John the Baptist. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. 
Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? I like to, I like to speculate. It's like, what do you want? Or is it like, what do you want? Yeah, I don't know. We don't know how he said it. He might have just been like, why are you following me? This is creepy. Or he might have been like, what's your heart desire? We don't know. But, but he said, what do you want? And they replied, Rabbi, with, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see. Great invitation. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard that John heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Then Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, "We have found the Messiah," which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking at him intently, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. So we got a bunch of cronies, probably knew each other growing up, and Jesus is calling them. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we found the very person Moses, oops, sorry, that shouldn't be there, Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathaniel, famous line, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. And as they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Jesus, I pray that you'll take these words and that you will help them to go deep into our hearts. I pray that eyes and ears and hearts will be open, starting with mine. And may we all grow closer to you over the next few minutes. We pray this in your name. Amen. So, here we have it. So, we have this Jesus who's beginning his ministry. This is like the beginning of his three-year venture in ministry. And we have John the Baptist that Jesus walks past one day. Now, this is the same John the Baptist, in case you're confused. This is the same John the Baptist that just baptized Jesus recently. This is the same John the Baptist that for years had been a voice crying in the wilderness and his message was, repent, turn around. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, turn around. God's kingdom is coming. Does that sound familiar? I'm hoping it does. It's the same message that Jesus had in Matthew 4.17 where we began a year ago when we launched into the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus and John had the same mission. It was to help people see their need for God and see that God was at work right there 
with them. The kingdom of God is now. Live your lives as if, as if the kingdom of God has already come because it has. It may not be fully realized and it, it may not be completely restored to how God will have it eventually, but the kingdom is breaking in even now. And we know that that's true because anywhere Jesus is, the kingdom is. Right? We believe that the presence of Jesus brings the kingdom. Side note, if Jesus is in you and in me, that means we are kingdom bearers and we bring the kingdom with us. Right? So, if you're a disciple of John and you've been following him for years and he keeps saying, there's a guy that's going to be coming who I'm not even worthy to you know, tie his sandals. This guy is the real deal. He's the one you want. And then... John, the person you're following, says, that's the guy. That's the guy I'm talking about. That's the Lamb of God. That's him. Naturally, you would have this kind of thinking. Well, we're following John because we're believing what he says. And what he says is that there's one that's coming. So if John is now identifying that one, then maybe we should follow Jesus. That's the one, right? We've been following John because he said he'll let us know when the Messiah comes. And now John is saying there he is. And so let's follow Jesus. And so scripture says that they follow Jesus. And one of those disciples is Andrew. And Andrew has a brother whose name is Simon. Now, side note, I don't know if you caught this. But everyone, when they had an encounter with Jesus, immediately went and told someone about Jesus. Let that sink in when you reflect on this past week in your life. I've been struggling with this all week. Am I living in this encounter of Jesus? Because if I am, it should overflow into all of my conversations. And Jesus should naturally be working into the conversation because I'm encountering Jesus. Why would I not tell others about Jesus? And so, back to this. Andrew tells his brother, Simon. Simon, you know, I found him. And so Simon comes to Jesus, and I love how Jesus identifies him. He goes, your name is Simon. Jesus fully knew Simon before Simon remotely knew Jesus. Let that sink in. A lot of times it's the like, well, how do I apply this? What does this mean for me? Here's the application. There's a God that knows you. And there's a God that wants to be known by you. If you will simply draw near. So Jesus has this moment with Simon. It's one of those, I call them, I see in you moments. Where it's like, you know, I see this in you. And you kind of speak into a person's life. Have you ever had someone that has had that for you? Maybe it was growing up and it was like, I see in you, someday you're going to be a teacher, or someday you're going to do this or that. And you know, kind of like these, not prophecy, but kind of like speaking into your life that changes you. And Jesus has this, this I see in you moment. He says, your name is Simon, but from now on you will be called Cephas, which means Peter, or Petra, which means rock. Now, we don't have photos of Peter to know what he looked like, 
right? Because, I mean, this was before the advent of photography. So I thought, well, here's what I'll do. I'll just show you. This is a picture of Peter from the series The Chosen. Great series if you haven't seen it. I encourage you to see it. And he says, your name is no longer going to be Simon. It's going to be Cephas. Now, just so there's no misunderstanding, because I grew up in Nashville, we're not talking about Bocephus. We're talking about Cephas. All right? One guy is a country singer. One guy is a fisherman. We're talking about Cephas. You with me? And Jesus said, your name is going to be Peter or the rock. Now, just so there's no misunderstanding, we're talking about Peter, the rock. We're not talking about the rock. We're talking about Peter, the rock. One guy is a former wrestler turned movie star. The other guy is the one that Jesus said would be instrumental in helping form and establish the church. Are you with me? All right, so we're talking about Peter, the rock. And so Peter follows, Andrew follows, and then what happens next? Philip comes along. Philip sees Jesus. Jesus invites him, come follow me. Philip immediately goes and finds someone else. It's almost like, it's almost like, um, well, we'll skip that. Um, no, we won't. So did you ever play tag or, or it was called blob where if you got tagged, you joined and became part and your job was to tag someone else and bring someone else into the blob, bring someone else into the blob. I see all the elementary teachers saying, oh, yeah, we know that one. It's like that. Philip encounters Jesus. And the first thing he does, is, I got to go find someone else. Andrew encounters Jesus. First thing, I got to go tell someone else. So Philip goes and gets Nathaniel. And Nathaniel has that famous line, can anything good come from Nazareth? And then Jesus has this amazing, amazing, amazing line. He sees Nathaniel coming up. We've already established, because he knows Simon completely before Simon knew him, that he probably already knows Nathaniel as well, right? But Jesus says this, now, here is a genuine son of Israel. That's a big compliment if you aren't aware. It's like this guy is the man. This guy, if you want to talk about what it means to be a good Jewish person, this is, this is Nathaniel. Genuine son of Israel. A man of complete integrity. Something that um, I was I was talking with my accountability partner and we were talking about this passage as I was preparing and he said, you know, it's interesting. Nathaniel is the only disciple with a character reference. And I said, huh, that's interesting. What do you mean? He said, well, think about it. I mean, like in this passage alone, we have a third of the disciples being called and it's always come follow me. Come and see. It's Jesus beckoning. Nathaniel is the only disciple out of the twelve where when Jesus saw Nathaniel, Jesus had something to say about his character. That should make your ears perk up. If it's important to Jesus and Jesus breaks the norm, maybe there's something that we need to think about with Nathaniel. 
Everyone else was, come follow me. Come follow me. Come and see. In spite of who you are, you've got Matthew, who's a tax collector, which they hated. You've got Peter, who's a fisherman, just a dumb, you know, brawny guy. You've got Judas, who's good with money, but we don't know if we can trust him. You've got all these misfits, and yet then there's Nathaniel. That's a dude with integrity. Wow. Now, the good news is, no matter who you relate to, whether it's a Judas or a Nathaniel or a Peter or an Andrew, Jesus calls all of us. You're not, pre- you're not disqualified because of what you've previously done. That's good news. You could have a train wreck of a life and Jesus will still be saying, I'm here. Come follow me. Let that sink in. Jesus sees you. Jesus knows you. Jesus knows your name. And Jesus calls you to follow him. But he tells, he tells uh, the guys as he's talking about Nathaniel, there's a guy with complete integrity. Now, if you're old school and you have a different translation, maybe it says something like this. Um, the NIV says, there's a man in whom there's no deceit. Um, the King James says, in whom there is no guile. The message translation says, there's not a false bone in his body. So that word integrity or no guile or no false bone, that's the Greek word dolos. D-O-L-O-S, dolos. In the English word, the English word that would translate to that word is decoy. Like a duck decoy. Has anyone been wondering why I've been holding a duck the whole time? All right, good. (laughs) We we were going to have an intervention later. (laughs) His name is Simon. His name is Dwayne the Rock. Uh, We know what a decoy is, right? I mean, we know. Like, I'm not an outdoorsman necessarily, but I know what a decoy is. On the outside, it looks like a duck. It's made to imitate the appearance of a duck. But it's not a duck. It's a decoy. It looks like a duck. It floats like a duck. But at the end of the day, it's not the real thing. It's just plastic. How often do we live our lives like decoys? We look like Christians. We can even talk like Christians and have all the Christian language. So we sound like a Christian. But when beneath the surface, maybe we struggle with authenticity. We're not 
people of complete integrity. We're decoys. But that's what Jesus is calling us to. Authenticity. He wants Nathaniels. He, he wants people that are complete integrity. People with no bit of decoy in them. Here's Nathaniel. A man with no bit of decoy in him. He is who he is. Now just so we're all on the same page, when I'm saying authenticity or what it means to be authentic, I mean it's the degree to which your actions are congruent with your values. If you live in what you say you believe, if you're walking the walk, not just talking the talk, that's what I mean by being authentic. Now, if we're called to be Christ followers, that means that we're not called to display our values. Our values are supposed to be the values of Christ. So for us to be authentic, we have to be modeling the life of Christ. Not our values. When we let our values get into the mix, we're no longer authentic, are we? Do our lives line up with the values of Jesus Christ? If they don't, we're being nothing more than a decoy. We can talk like a Christian. We can sing like a Christian. We can pray like a Christian. We can use all the right ontological argument, spiritual, soteriology, whatever. It doesn't matter. But if we're not living like Jesus, we're a little more dolos, decoyish, than God is calling us to. So the question is, why do we struggle with this? Why is it so hard to just be who God's called us to be? We're made in God's image. And so as we become more like Jesus, God is restoring us into who we are called to be. And yet we struggle with it, don't we? It's hard to be authentic. It's hard to be ourselves. It's hard to let the guards down. And I was trying to think, what are some reasons? I think, I think fear is a reason that some of us struggle to be authentic. We're afraid of what it might cost us. It might cost me some of those relationships. It might cost me some of my time or energies. It might cost me... It it might force me to have complete surrender. And I sure do like holding on to stuff. I'm afraid to be authentic. I, I feel like... What if I can't live the life that Jesus is calling me to? So fear keeps us from being authentic. I think another one is vulnerability. If y'all know Jen or me, you know that we love um, Brene Brown. She has done years and years of research on vulnerability and why we have a hard time being vulnerable with each other. I think we struggle with the idea that maybe it will require us to depend on others. Which kind of goes against everything we were taught. Do it yourself. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Don't, don't open yourself up to vulnerability. Just do it yourself. 
I think we don't like to be vulnerable because it opens us up to hurts. I mean, we know that, right? Well, if I don't let you in, you can't hurt me. The problem is when you don't let people in and you put up a facade, you're not living the way Christ has called you to live. When I do that, I'm not living the way Christ has called me to live. I think vulnerability also leads to this idea of like, what if I'm rejected? I was rejected enough in middle school. I don't want to be rejected now in my 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever. I think one of the reasons we struggle with authenticity, because at the end of the day, maybe we don't like who we are. Why would anyone else like who I am? I don't like who I am. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've been there many times. We see ourselves, we always view ourselves in light of our worst situation and think, how could anyone like me? Instead of trusting God to use us in every situation. Can I tell you something today? Without authenticity, your life is going to be filled with drama. I don't know if that's translating well. Authenticity brings a peace that you don't find when you're always trying to put up a facade and always trying to pretend to be something else. It's a lot more drama acting like a decoy than there is just being a duck like you were created to be. Your relationships will never be healthy. You always have drama because you're not starting from a place of honesty. You're starting your relationships in a lie because you are not called to be a decoy. Whether it's with God, your spouse, your kids, your neighbors, your co-workers, you're called to a life of authenticity. I'm called to a life of authenticity where the real me is the real me because that's how God has created me. And the real you is awesome too because that's how God has created you. We're not called to live like decoys. Maybe that's why um, I'm guessing Peter heard um, the way Jesus described Nathaniel, and then in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2, Peter says this. So get rid of all this evil behavior. Be done with all deceit. Hmm. That's the first one he mentions. That word deceit, dollars. It's like, Peter was like, ooh, I get it. We're not called to be decoys. Get rid of just putting on the face. Get rid of hypocrisy. Get rid of jealousy and all unkind speech. Ouch. For some of us, that may mean we need to unplug from Facebook because Facebook has become a place where you can't say anything nice. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk 
so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Get rid of everything that's holding you back. Be real. Be authentic. Be genuine. Be you. Be what God has called you to be and trust that who you are is more than enough because the one who has called you is faithful and he will do it. Now I confess, I've been trying for the last couple weeks to do some real soul searching, wondering, oh man, am I being inauthentic in my faith? Am I being inauthentic with you guys? I want to be sure that I'm genuine. And so I've been meeting with a lot of people the last few weeks. Let's grab coffee. Usually I have other stuff to do. I'm, I'm working on the class project and I'm asking questions and stuff. But if it seems appropriate, I've been bringing up the question, are we good? Are, are, are you seeing the real me? Am I seeing the real you? Some of the conversations have been a lot of fun. Some of them have been a little painful. Some of the conversations were easy and some of them were difficult. But all of them have been necessary for me to grow closer to God and me to grow closer with that person. And I'm telling you, I'm not the exception. We're all the same way. We need authenticity to grow closer to God and with each other. Otherwise, when we pass the peace, we are being decoys. I don't want to be a decoy. I want to be authentic. It's a character trait that Jesus clearly cared about. It's the only thing he mentioned with any of the disciples when he called them. So I don't want to just be a pastor or a friend or a husband or a neighbor or a father or a citizen. I don't want to be a label. That's being this. I want to be genuine. I don't want to be a decoy. I want people to see the true me. And if I have not been showing that to you, I want to apologize. And if you haven't been showing that to me, it's time to change things. Because we can't pray for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done if we're just a bunch of decoys. Authenticity is what's required to advance the kingdom of God. That's my prayer. So what about you? Are you being authentic? Are you being honest, not just with the words you say, but in the way you're living your life? Are you being genuine in your relationships, in your conversations? We're called to be more like Jesus today than we were yesterday. And the moment we stop growing towards Jesus, the radar should go off in your mind. Uh Uh-oh, am I turning into plastic? Because we believe that we are called to a life of holiness. Here are a couple of big words, so forgive me. To a life of sanctification, which basically means Jesus takes away our bent for sinning and brings us more and more into the alignment of who God wants us to be. That's sanctification. It's 
a, an event and it's a process. I grow more and more into the image of Jesus every day. That is the process of sanctification. And if I'm doing that, and if you're doing that, then we're all growing together because we're all growing towards the same thing, which is the image of Christ. The problem is, if you're growing in the image of Christ, and I'm a plastic duck, distance happens, and vice versa. So are you being genuine? Are you being authentic? You don't have to be perfect in this life. One of the biggest problems that the church has today is they're at, we're acting like we're perfect. The world isn't looking for perfect. They're looking for not fake. They see enough decoys in the world. They're just looking for some ducks. And truth be told... A lot of them walk through our doors and other doors around the world and it looks like they're in a duck decoy factory. It's, it's time for us to regain our authenticity. It's time for us to return to who we're called to be. And so, I'm challenging you. If you haven't been genuine with someone, if God is speaking to you, and there is a person or situation that you feel like needs to be addressed because you haven't been your true self. Call that person today. Let's grab coffee this week. Let's put it on the calendar so that I don't back out and walk out the door and 20 minutes later think, well, yeah, that was a pretty good sermon, but not a lot of takeaway. No. Call that person today. Confess. Open up. You may, what you may be feeling may be a big deal. What you may be feeling may be only what you're feeling, and the other person doesn't think that at all. Confess. If there's a need, apologize. Ask for forgiveness. It may not be easy. It may not be fun, but it will be right. And it will help you be more like Jesus and more authentic and less like a plastic duck. Confess, apologize, ask for forgiveness. Maybe your response is, I have some things I need to do, but I need to pray right now. Because if I'm not being genuine with you, if, we're, if I'm not being authentic with you, then I'm not being authentic with God and I'm not being who God's called me to be. In our church, we have altars. They're always open. You can come in the opening video you can come in the middle of the sermon you can come at the end you can come in a song this is where each of us has space to talk to and hear from god and maybe you need to talk to god right now and you say okay i'm going to come down and posture myself in a position of submission and say god i haven't been living like you want me to live and i want to forgive me give me the courage to be authentic with others as well. If you're visiting with us, man, y'all came on a, a different Sunday, so I apologize. Let me just say, we are not a group of perfect people, and that's okay. Sometimes, quite honestly, we are a big hot mess. And I wouldn't have it any other way. The church is not a museum, the church is a hospital. 
The church is where the broken find healing. The church is where the hopeless find hope. You need people coming in that are messy because that is how they are transformed. And so if you're visiting with us, we are not a group of perfect people, but we are striving to be more Christ-like. We're a group of people that just want to be more like Jesus, and so we are willing to respond to the love of God that is seeking us even before we realize it. God is seeking us long before we ever even know God is there. Last thing, if you're not sure, maybe you're like, I think we're, I'm good with people, but man, I wonder, I wonder if there is anything. I encourage you to go to that person and ask for clarification. The mistakes are in the miscommunication. Ask for clarification. Just say, hey, are we good? I'm worried that we're not because of this. I just want clarification. When you said that, is this what you meant? Because I've been sitting with it all week and it's eating at me. and I don't need that. I want to be clear with God and clear with you. So can you help me? Ask for clarification. It's the only way we can pass peace with God and each other and not be this. Once you ask, here's the next step, and it's a hard one for me. Shut up and listen. And I know we're not supposed to say shut up, I'm sorry. Ask for clarification and then allow the other person time to process and respond. If there's nothing that's wrong and you two are right with each other and you're being authentic, thank God. I mean, really, like, thank God. If there's something that's not right, get your hammer and your nails out because it's time to mend some fences. Make amends. You can do it. We can do it. It is how we will grow more like Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, I've held this decoy in my hands for the last 25 minutes, and I've got to be honest. There are times I forgot it was even there. And it's scary to think how easy it is slip into decoy mode. God, we want your kingdom to come and we want your will to be done, but for that to happen and for us to pray it honestly and not just out of rote, we need to make sure that we're right with you and with others. And so I pray right now, Jesus, that you'll work in our hearts. God, I pray that you will Fix what's broken. I pray that you will strengthen what's already strong. You're the same God. If you healed the broken then, you can heal the broken now. You're the same God who did miracles through people then. You can do miracles through people now. And all it takes is us choosing to not be plastic, but to be authentic. 
Jesus, I pray that that's who we become. I pray that you'll help us to do the hard work of making things right and every now and then just checking the pulse. It's never wrong to ask if we're good with you and with other people. Help us to get over the stigma that that means that something has to be wrong because it doesn't. But honesty and openness, vulnerability will lead us deeper into your heart. So I pray that for each of us. We love you. The one who calls for a people with no guile, with no fake bones. The one who calls for people of complete integrity. And then the one who sent the Holy Spirit to make that possible for us today. Thank you for the victory that's ours when we walk in step with your Spirit. May we walk in step even now. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for that, Garen. Um, you asked us to be authentic, so I've got I've to come clean with you. It would have been a lot cooler if that was a real duck. So, made a little bit of a mess to clean up. It would have eaten all the communion. So, that brings us to communion. Uh, as we think about the real life of Jesus, you ever think about those guys hanging out with Jesus that night? And he's like, This is my body and my blood. For you. I don't think it quite struck with them how authentic this was going to be. But here's the thing we have this is at the base of everything we are as Christians. The real body of Jesus was broken, the real blood was shed, and there was real death. And that's the end of the story, right? No, absolutely not. And that's what is real brokenness, real shedding of the lifeblood, real death. And here's the kicker, real resurrection. Without that, there is nothing. There is no hope. There is no hope without real resurrection of us. Of him and then us. So let's share together. As, we, as we've been doing recently, come up and we will have the, the elements for you. Grab it. Hold on to it till we all can be in a... And, and just take this together in unison. You realize when we take this stuff together, you look around you're like, hey, we're on the same team. Now, uh, Saturdays, we're not really much on the same team around here. You know, I'm a I'm a Sooner fan. Probably not too many of those around. You got some weirdo Alabama guys, probably, and you know, and there's probably some other teams that exist that I don't know about. But here, as we take this stuff together, we are all in unison. You can look at the person next to you and say, "Hey, that person is seeking Jesus too." We're on this journey together. So as we Go down this crazy road of of taking that life-giving stuff from Jesus. 
know that you're not alone and that we are together on this same journey. So please come uh, fill the center aisle and uh, we will hand these out and we'll partake together. There's, there's one more if he wants one. No? Okay. So Jesus took the bread and broke it with his disciples. And it was, uh, he was being as authentic as he could then. Because, but they were, soon, they were soon to find out what it really meant. But he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat, do this in remembrance of me. And they hadn't quite learned, but they were soon to find out what they were supposed to remember. So let's eat together and remember him. And the same with his blood that was shed, that covered all of our sins, that you truly can be forgiven. Everything. Try not to make eye contact. It gets awkward because I know some of you. No, I'm just I'm not looking at you, Butch. But everything is cleansed. Everything. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And he was soon to be broken. And they would know what to remember. Let's drink together. Father, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for your sacrifice. And praise you, God, that you are risen. Amen. You stand with me. Emma, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. After we sing our benediction, can you go back and put the connect slide with the QR? Um, if you're visiting with us, we'd love to get to know you better. Um, if you're a regular with us and you want to talk about a small group or baptism or things like that, Scan the QR code and fill out the online thing and we'll get back to you. Um, I also want to say thank you. Um, I love seeing 
everybody wearing their, their tags. Um, it helps us. Um, it helps us as we're serving communion, um, even for new people to be able to, to see you and see your name. And so um, I love it. If you can remember to put them back on the board, though, and they'll be waiting for you next week. So you good? All right. Let's sing our benediction. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. We'll see you next Sunday. Bye.